This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Thursday, which means it's time for the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step. I'm with Dan Hodgman. I'm Jack Pelzer. Feeling very zen. It's been a long day today, Dan. How's your day been? Just about the exact same, Jack. It's been uh it's been a busy week, but nothing to complain about. Exactly. And I thought a good way to sort of get the mood right would be to have a little bit more of a uh, discussion episode because it's a topic that we can drone on about forever, right? If that's what you want to hear, but you know, we'll be merciful and just make it about a half an hour because that's how it works with the podcasting. So uh, before we do that, Dan, is there any exceptional market news that's catching your eye on this fine Thursday? Well, well it's Tuesday when we're recording. Yeah, you know, what I just find super interesting is each day these equity markets continue this grind higher. And I'm over here just waiting for some sort of downturn now. I, I mean, so many things are building up that we're almost due for some sort of sell-off. And uh, I'm looking at these equity markets and especially the S&Ps, like each day is getting higher, but they're getting smaller and smaller ranges. So I'm sitting on my hands waiting for a little bit of a sell. I think so too. It is one of those, I remember during uh, the rebound after the initial drop in Corona, I remember when the NASDAQ went through 10,000. It was like, this can't hold. Right? It's like, come on. There's like a point where you you just sit here and it's like, just give it up for a little bit. I wonder if this, I don't want to sound like I'm calling for, because we always say don't call tops or stuff like that. So I'm, I'm not doing that. But I wonder how people felt during, you know, the dot-com bubble. Because I wasn't old enough to really get that. No, and I was too young. Yeah, yeah. I, I I was too young as well. And I almost wonder, because as Hogue always says, the market always looks best at the top and worse at the bottom. People talk a lot about irrational exuberance. And I mm -hmm. wonder if this is sort of what we're seeing, you know. I think that's exactly it right now. You know, you think about it, we're not calling it – a top yet. We're not trying to sell this thing, but we're starting to wait for it. Everything's lining up like a sell needs to happen, you know, across all facets. I'm seeing a lot of things that are just triggering to me saying, all right, it's about time. Let's get ready for this. Yeah. It's not a healthy, we're doing the same hot take today. It's not healthy to have a market that only from what I can tell over the last couple of weeks, the NASDAQ just goes up. Besides that one Friday, it just goes up 100 and 120 points a day. And it's a very leisurely stroll to, I mean, once again, we don't like to call tops, but I'm kind of part of me's thinking it's just like, where, where, where do we get 10% pullback? Does this go to 20,000? So we're going to, after, after COVID, we're going to double the value more than double the value of the NASDAQ from the pre-COVID levels? Maybe it's market manipulation. Ooh. 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 Well, that's our topic today to introduce. Conspiracy so today theory. We, yeah. Well, it's not a 
I guess I don't want to frame it as a conspiracy theory. That's my that's my other <laughs> podcast <laughs> where, you know, I talk about conspiracies. But for me, there's just a lot of interesting things going on where like there clearly is certain we're using this in the frame of we're taking off from sort of the ongoing battle between Reddit armies and just to talk about it because it's been a few regulators out there and a few there's kind of market manipulation on both sides and we kind of wanted to discuss a little bit today. So just to get the background, I'm not going to get the background on the Reddit stocks. Y'all know that at this point, (laughs) but it's more of what does constitute market manipulation? I think that would be a good title for this because on one hand, and I don't want the Reddit army coming after me. I don't care who I am. There's no way they do. Nope. Yep. That's just how it is. You're Jack in Chicago. Jack in Chicago. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Yelling about the NASDAQ being high. Uh, anyway, it clearly is manipulation in that if you get together, so discussing a stock with a bunch of people and making things is not manipulation, but you know, getting together and picking targets and going after them is. But the larger point I wanted to make is that manipulation is everywhere and really, it was only the big boys and big girls that got the manipulate before, because for all these people going after Reddit traders, what difference is that between one of these hedge fund D-bags going on CNBC to pump a stock or brag about a short after they've entered the position and using the bully pulpit to kind of make things work? Right. And there's there's so many different types of manipulation. You can go through a list of them. The list is a mile long. I look at this. It's almost like it's the ramping manipulation where they're going to talk up this stock. They're going to get everyone involved. And then someone's trying to make a quick profit, which maybe there's someone out there that kind of started this, you know, laid some seeds and got it out there that says, Hey, everybody go buy GameStop, go buy as much GameStop as possible. We're going to run it up. You know, we're going to give all these reasons why to do it. And they're going to run it up. And these guys are long and all of a sudden that market pops, they see everyone hop in and they take their quick profit. You don't know. I mean, it's so different now sitting at home. These people are using, you know, screen names to create this little army of people. And I'd say little, it's a huge army. And I think it's kind of awesome. Like it's fun to watch. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I, I, I do love the fireworks. I love the show. That's for sure. Right. And so you you think about it like maybe there's so many things that could be happening and there's so many different ways of market manipulation. And this is nothing new, right? We can go way back in time. There's always been sort of manipulation. You have companies as prime example is in the 80s. Guinness manipulated their stock price to go out and buy another company called Distillery. And there are people still in jail because of that. Or they may be out now, but I mean, this is been happening forever oh yeah did i tell the uh story on the show about the onion futures i can't remember if that one episode we did or not no uh, you brought it up on the coach's playbook this week and i was gonna that was on my list of questions for you to kind of dive into a little bit i think that could be an interesting one i'll do a little deep dive here so like in 1955 classic example of manipulation in the futures which i think a lot of people trade out there the united states actually has a law called the onion futures act 
And now I'm shamelessly going off of Wikipedia right now as we record this because I just had to look it up. I didn't know we'd be talking about it. Hey, you brought it up. But yeah, yeah, but I didn't know I was going to go into it. Uh, the Onion Futures Act is a United States law banning the trading of futures contracts on onions as well <laughs> as well as motion picture box office receipts. This is in reaction to, in 1955, two onion traders, Sam Siegel and Vincent Kasuga, cornered the onion futures market on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. The resulting regulatory action led to the passing of the act, and it remains in effect as of today. Basically, they used to trade onions on the Chicago Board of Trade, and these two lovely gentlemen, or I guess ruthless gentlemen, cornered the onion market by just buying all the train loads of onions coming in. And um, basically, uh, the government realized they didn't want people cornering the market on food stuff, right? You know, people back then need their <laughs> onions, their food. Like, what if something like that happened? And Yeah, not too far out of the Great Depression there where people were struggling to get food. Right. So this has been going on for a while. And generally, manipulation is all too... A degree. And at a certain point, it becomes illegal. But I got to say, Dan, nowadays where that line is pretty blurry and it's pretty high, especially if you're connected. I got to say, though, just this idea of no longer being able to trade onions is pretty wild because every crop out there is traded. I can't think of very many that aren't traded and the price of, you know, crop, which right now we're getting pretty close to it. We're in growing season, picking season should be or harvesting season, I should say, is right around the corner. I've been watching. I I live in the cornfields here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they always say corn high, knee high by July. Well, it's about shoulder high by now. And uh, they're going to be getting ready to harvest that. So it's pretty, pretty amazing to think that there's just, I, I don't even know how onions work. It must be fixed pricing. Well, actually, I was reading down, like, because there's no futures on them, they were a little bit volatile. Like, uh, the thing is, the onions are kind of dirt cheap. And they're also not, I think, where they got, I mean, onions aren't a staple food, right? So a staple food is what people are eating to survive. Uh, onions are great. I love me some onions, but they're not really something you could eat very much for sustenance, right? Well, obviously, you've never watched Holes, the movie. No, Motion nor read the book. There. They were just eating onions? Well, he sur- he survived by finding jars of onions that were like, oh, never mind. It was peaches. I stand corrected. Yeah, those are a little bit more nutritionally dense <laughs> there. But <laughs> either one I wouldn't recommend for too long. But uh, not to divert too far. But there's all sorts of things like that in that, well, I shouldn't say that. Because we're seeing kind of a new form of it where like this isn't cornering the market. It's more of an all-out assault on things deemed to be short, whether that... I think that what sparked the GameStop thing, initially at least, was a legitimate short squeeze. And there's been a few mm-hmm. like minor ones, but there's more going on here than that, I would imagine. Well, what I find just so interesting, I think you can go back in time and all market manipulation is kind of done by a small group. They've made this decision. They're doing some questionable things. Like there's a lot of illegal things going on for them to manipulate stocks, to move them. You know, we talk onion, the onions uh, that has since become illegal, what they did, um, what they did with Guinness was illegal. 
Uh, Wolf of Wall Street, I mentioned in the coach's playbook earlier this week, same exact thing, what they did, illegal. Yet right now, what they're doing, there's nothing that states that this is illegal. This is never, this is unfounded things happening where, again, I think it's kind of wild and awesome and fun to watch, you know, banding together the retail side of things. The retail trader, investor has always been the one that kind of falls in the back. You know what? Uh, if they lose, they lose. It is what it is. It's the institutional guys, they're the ones that are here to make the money. And now the institutional guys, at least at one point, were hurting because of it. We saw that pretty blatantly uh, with um, Robin Hood and everything that was going on there um, when this all happened. And now you're starting to see the retail guy kind of get their little victories. And I think it's fun to watch. Now, it's probably going to bring on some questions. People are going to start to look in it. Maybe there is some investigation. I don't know. Um, but it could lead to some uh, possible new uh, SEC laws put into play. Yeah, because I think generally when the big boys win against it, it's because they're just trying to make a lot of money. And whether whether it's been acknowledged or not, by the people trading on Reddit, I can't tell whether the end goal is just to make a lot of money or just give a big old middle finger to sort of the way things have been. Because I think the reason why the institutions or hedge funds that got rolled by GameStop and are really pissed about all this, I think the reason they got rolled is that they can't imagine a group of people who would act outside of like what they see as rational in stocks or right the, or would do something that's going to lose them money in that because what I want to get to is it's almost like a um, suicide charge or something because like we talked today about coach's playbook and we'll have to mention and talk about some more on the podcast today is that even if these things the mother of all squeezes there's a few people who will make a bunch of money and sell at the top and everyone else is going to get crushed because I think the example I use is if AMC goes to 10,000 and then it falls to 5,000. Well, yeah, there's still no one in there going to buy it. Like, oh, that's a good deal. It's just going right. to collapse. Right. Like the whole basics of markets is if you're buying it, or if you're going to sell it, someone has to be there to buy it from you. Yeah, it's... I don't think they're equipped for it because I think these are institutions that have always, they're the ones that get to play financial games, right? There's buy and hold for you. And then there's, we can do all this short magic and play around with options and stuff like that. And we're the ones that get to move things. You know, we're the ones that get to like move around that get people pin risk and stuff like that. We get to do that. And now a whole group of people have said, uh-uh, and frankly, we don't care if we lose a lot of money in the process. So I guess on one hand, it's admirable, but it's hard for me to be completely for it yet because we still don't know how many people are going to get hurt. Right. I, I agree 100%. I mean, I still, no matter how you're getting into these markets, you have to have some sort of plan. I mean, and this is the first thing I tell any single person in the entire world that, you know, friends come to me, family members come to me, people that I meet at the bar and ask me for advice when it comes to investing. Like that's such a common question I get. 
And the first, all I can say is, look, I'm not going to tell you what to buy or sell, but I will say, always know where you're getting out. Like, where is a reasonable spot to to take the money off the table? You know, you sit here and you can look at any market in the world. There's a point where they have to sell off a little bit. Equity markets, we saw it last year. We saw it, well, the year before that too. Uh, we've seen it pretty regularly where these things finally, just the bottom falls out. And for all these people that are getting into these little meme stocks and they're buying them and they're running them up. Fun. Great. You're making some money, but make, you know, get some realized money out of this. Realize those profits, lock in some of that. You don't want to be sitting in this to the moon. Um, This concept of to the moon is where I struggle. And that's where it really comes down to me is you have to, at some point, it means nothing if you don't take your money out of it. Because what's AMC really going to do? What's GameStop really going to do to be worth that price. You know, you look at Tesla. Tesla got the big run for a couple of years and they did really, really well. But that was a company that was growing and innovating and changing this industry. AMC and GameStop, brick and mortar. You know, who's going to the movie theaters these days? Coronavirus kind of killed that. You know, you have Apple TV at home. You can rent any movie you want. Yeah, you can get at the theaters. I did go to my first post-coronavirus movie, though, on uh, Sunday night. I went to the- uh, Was it totally empty? Uh, It was pretty empty, but it was was a Sunday night. I went to see the new Fast and Furious movie, which was- God, I haven't seen it yet. That's on my list. I might watch it tonight. Yeah, they really uh, amp it up a few levels of ridiculousness, I think is a word I I would use. Yeah. Didn't someone do the math when they were doing the- plane going down the runway it should have been like an 18 mile runway uh, of all the action that happened inside the plane while it was taking off in like furious five or whatever it was oh i'm sure there's there's definitely a lot of that uh i won't give away spoilers because there's one thing that's so absurd in a few months we can discuss it uh once people (laughs) out there have seen this movie but it does involve ludicrous who is actually he uh went his freshman year of high school to the high school in my hometown, Oak Park, Illinois. Well, how about that? O- OPAR of high school. Uh, famous graduates include Ernest Hemingway and Ludacris. I guess famous attendees because Ludacris. Attendees. Ludacris only was there for yeah. a year. Yeah. So uh, that's what I really wanted to talk about this episode. Um, <laughs> but to get back to what they're doing is, I guess with GameStop, at least there's some idea that they have Ryan Cohen involved, who's a smart guy who did things with Chewy, and they think that they could turn it. The other thing in the bag is that, by the way, in no way does this make the current valuations acceptable, but these companies have all been selling stock. So this is gets me to the part that I'm still worried about. So we're still in this phase of this manipulation, whatever you want to call it, where it's hurting the hedge funds, it's hurting the institutions. And you, you know what? F them. Like, good. Like, this is great. (laughs) This is what makes it fun. Uh, But we have not gone to the phase where it collapses and hurts a bunch of, even if some people make a bunch of money, it's going to hurt a whole bunch of people. And that will be decidedly less fun. But the worst part is that I think some of these things, especially like AMC and stuff, all these companies are doing more offerings. They're selling more stocks. They're shoring up their balance sheets. They're paying just watch out for that stuff. You, you got to think about it. These companies here are watching their share prices skyrocket. 
you don't think they're sitting there going, eh, that's not what we should be at. Um, let's get ourselves covered a little bit. Let's try and make some money on our own stock. Oh, believe me, they're probably trying to amend. I think GameStop sold like it was either they sold all that they could. And then because they've already it's crazy. They already diluted it so much before when they were like in really real trouble. They needed to dilute it to like pay their bills at the beginning of the pandemic. And now they just sold like 6 million more shares or something like that. And the only thing to stop them now is their corporate charter. But I think they um, I think they might amend that at some point if it means they can sell more GameStop or sorry, more um, AMC at 60 bucks. I, you know, the, the people that run these companies are with exceptions like Elon Musk and some other people, founders and stuff. But the, the people that run something like that, they're usually the same people that they're trying to rail against with the, um, the like the hedge fund guys and stuff like that. Right? right. And it gives them no reason to work, too. It's like if you're Ryan Cohen uh, at he might be different because he's a, he's already a billionaire and has that founder mentality and wants to um, do this stuff. But like, he bought this share in GameStop and now it's higher than it'll ever be. He could turn it into such an amazing company and he'd probably never get back to where it is now. So it just kind of feels, what are we doing here? It, it, honestly, it's just kind of amazing. Someone told me years ago a pretty interesting thing when it came to stock trading, right? There's, we keep, there's the two types of analysis, fundamental and technical. And in theory, you know, most stocks, most businesses, most companies out there, you can do a simple valuation to understand how many shares are out there. What's the stock actually technically should it be worth? And in theory, majority of them kind of trade right around those areas. And then all of a sudden you have things like this happen where once a stock kind of doubles its estimated value, it goes from a point of like, okay, this is out of whack to, well, this is exactly what we should expect. Don't fight this. Get in when you can and go with it until you start to see points of exit. When you start to see some mass selling and uh, you'll be able to see it, you'll see this markets, these stocks start to dump a little bit and people try and pick it up. That's got to be your sign. You have to start thinking about getting out. So to anyone out there that's in these still holding on, drop the concept to the moon. Look for where your out's going to be. If you got in on AMC at 20 bucks a share, I think I was looking at it the other day. At one point, it was not even a few months ago, was it like $13 a share? If you were one of the guys that got in down there, hell yeah, congratulations. It's trading $60 right now. Take it. Take the profits. I know. Well, that'll form its own cascade. That's why I think it's just more than money, which is fine. I mean, if you're a true believer in this and you can afford to lose the money without if you're fine living as a aesthetic, then by all means, go for it. Aesthetic, yeah. Right. If you're in this just to say I took it to the moon and I wasn't because there's a lot of people I've talked to that have that mentality. They're like, I'm never getting out. I'm taking this wherever it happens. Good it is. for you. Yeah. I mean it's bold it, move, Cotton. <laughs> bold move indeed. Well I do appreciate that sort of it reminds me of uh you know, it's almost like a warrior mentality of like, you know, I'll jump off a mountain or something to show that like i don't even care you know it's right it's like it's like the 300 spartans yeah that's what it is it's like a last matter doesn't matter go we're old we're a hold look or whatever they say um well i wish them all luck as far as that goes but do you have any thoughts about i I guess this all comes back to 
just the general frothiness of this market. It, it, it seems when money's flowing and all these things, there's like 15 different pretty crazy bubbles going on right now. And I don't mean like, once again, we're not top callers where I'm going to say that the whole market's a bubble or something, but I don't recall a time where you'd see so many kind of crazy uh, speculative valuations on thing. And that makes me think sometimes it's like, oh, is this what people were thinking about or the people that got it right during the dot-com bubble? You know? It's a good question. I mean, I look at it this way. This last year and a half, the whole environment of trading and investing has changed, right? We had, I think about it, like how many younger people have gotten into these markets? Because while we lost sport betting for a while, how many people out there, that's a multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry. Um, all those sports gamblers couldn't do anything. So they had this capital. You got Barstool Sports really got on the bandwagon of let's talk day trading. So a lot of people kind of saw that and thought, okay, here's an opportunity for me. You have the ease and accessibility with Robinhood. It brought a lot more, these people that were looking for a place to go, they got into Robinhood. And I think our whole environment has changed. Now, the question for me is going to be, are they here to stay? Or now with the world opening up, sports betting kind of back, they're going to get out there, go to the bars, spend some money. Are they gone from this industry or are they here to stay? That's going to be the interesting question to me. Yeah, it is interesting. And when you can have a trading computer in your pocket for what this sort of stuff they're doing, and you can just go in the Robin Hood and <laughs> answer a few questions and sling options wherever you want. It's, you know, it's possible. It could be here to say, like, I got to say, I mean, I've been d- dead wrong about a bunch of this stuff. I cannot believe that GameStop crashed from 500 to 40 and then went back to 220 again. If you could tell me any, the most surprising, and this is how markets often work, they'll do whatever the weirdest thing you can imagine is. But if you had told me yeah. that would be like the last price action I'd ever expect, that you're telling me GameStop would go to 500, back all the way down to 40, then rip up to two to 300, and then just sit there. I think for a couple months now. And now it's sitting. It is sitting. It hasn't budged. Dan, that to me is option city. This is, I think that people on the buy side have like expended their shares and now it's option market makers trying to just keep it at whatever's the most pain. Cause there's gotta be so many people, you know, buying puts and calls and they're just keeping it there would be my best guess. I think you're spot on Jack. I think that's exactly what's going on. A lot of people recognize this. Now they're trading it like it's a regularly traded product. You know, they're trading this like, okay, we're going to, this is our price. It's floating here. Let's find ways to make money around it. Price is in the eye of the beholder. So I guess our final thought is just to, I guess, re-emphasize knowing that stuff is just be careful out there because something like that that's held up that way could really get the air let out of it at any moment. So if it dropped from 500 to 40, it can drop from 220 to 40. Sure can. At the end of the day, if you if you have a chance to get out, you made a ton of money in this, take it. You know, this is real money. I think a lot of people, they look at it, they've spent the money to get into this game. Let's call it that quote unquote game. 
Now they're playing it like a video game that you can actually recoup your your finances from it. So, you know, take some money out, go find something else to look into. You know, you, you got your feet wet, you enjoyed it, you made something. Now go look for another one. Yeah. And if you won, good on you. And if you lost, take it as a learning experience and, uh, you know, do better next time. And uh, speaking of doing better next time, I think that's where we will uh, leave it today, Dan. <laughs> it's Thursday. I always, I might have gone like a minute or two longer, but I just couldn't resist that little turn of phrase there. So uh, anything you're looking forward to coming up? Fourth of July around the corner. Keep in mind, people are going to be taking time off here throughout the next few weeks. So keep that one in mind as you're going and make sure you take time for yourself. Get out there and enjoy the summer. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's so confusing when the 4th of July is on a weekend. What What's the day off everyone gets? Monday? Monday. So the 4th of July is Sunday. I think, and I don't want to be mistaken, but the markets, I believe, close. The ones that are open will close at noon central time on Monday. So there is an abbreviated hours on Monday. Take the day off. Don't bother trading. Yeah, dude. Like if you're day trading outright futures and that, come on. Go enjoy the day. Go enjoy the day. Yeah, you don't you don't have to be an American to enjoy early July. Um, <laughs> we'll go for, as, as it's known in the rest of the world, July the 4th. So uh, we're going to enjoy that weekend. We hope y'all do too out there. Uh, let us know if, you, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about or do anything like that. Uh, someone I work with said that we still owe an Evan Dooley episode, which I have to do some research for that first, but I think that would be fun. That's the guy, I'm that, down. That's the guy that uh, lost... $50 million in the wheat market, become somewhat of a tragic folk hero of the traders in Chicago. But that's for another day. So until then, from myself and from Dan, presumably, uh, namaste and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contains substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.